welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Sunday evening, Valentine's Day. Uh, you know, my guests here, I had to find somebody who was not covering a game <laughs> and didn't have a date for Valentine's Day. No offense to anybody here. I mean, I'm here too. I'm not making a... <laughs> Course, Brian knows live, we've all we've all been married long enough, right? <laughs> so we don't do anything for Valentine's anymore. Um, that's Ramona Shelburne joining us from Los Angeles. Hope you're enjoying your Valentine's Day, Ramona. Oh. Where I'm at, it's in the negative. It's going to be in the negative for 72 consecutive oh hours. So um, there's no there's no Valentine's in going on here. Uh, joining us from San Francisco, Nick Friedel. Uh, happy <laughs> Valentine's Day, Nick. I'm still waiting for Cupid's arrow to, to strike me out here in San Francisco, B, but we're going to do the best we can. It's hard during COVID, man. <laughs> it's Look, they really got apps hard. for that. They got apps for that, right? I mean, uh, Bumble, they just, the, the apps ladies are a millionaire, a billionaire now, right? Yeah, the Bumble ladies are billionaire, <laughs> yeah. and uh, McMahon, McMahon, who was a very big proponent of Bumble. He wasn't quite <laughs> as big a proponent as uh, the Clippers. Um, were, but he wasn't getting paid like the Clippers were. That's true, but McMahon is now off the app because he oh. is a, he's a kept man, oh. and um, yes, it's not for the podcast. I mean, well, I mean, it's fine to leave it in, but McMahon is not available anymore, so he's off the app. I mean, he should have bought some stock in it. He would have he would have done buy. Um, so uh, Friedel, you were at um, the Nets Warriors game last night, um, that the Nets uh, pretty much controlled from start to finish. More bad news for the Nets. I mean, nobody's going to feel bad for them um, because, you know, they've got three of the best players in the league. Uh, but they you just can't get them on the court. Um, today, which is our Sunday, you guys will be hearing this Monday, uh, they announced Kevin Durant is going to be out for at least the next two games because of a hamstring injury. So they've only played, I think, seven games with all three of them. And they're um, they're seven and or six and one in those seven games. So, um keep that in mind they had a relatively easy victory in that game and um nick they just they had one of those nights where their offense was just clicking and uh you understand when you watch their offense go you understand what the hype's about don't you absolutely and b then the game ends and draymond starts talking about the nets being the favorite in his mind in the east and offensively when they are clicking and they're running the way they did on Saturday and James Harden is setting everybody up the way that he did and, and KD shooting the way that KD can. And then, Oh, by the way, there's Kyrie to kind of fill in whatever other gaps there are. If that team can learn how to play any defense in the second half, uh, they are going to be miserable for anybody in the East to try to stop in the postseason because those three dudes have, have played at the highest level, and Harden seems motivated by at least the attempt to go win a title now. So it's going to be fun to see what happens. But that's the question. Can they play any defense? Because if they do, that offensive firepower is something fierce. Well, what they look like they're doing, Nick, because I I have – covered many a Houston Rockets game over the year, okay? And what they look like they're attempting to do defensively is put in that switch-everything defense that Houston Mm -hmm. ran. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I have a couple of questions about it. One, are they going to have enough practice time or time on the court together? Because, I mean, as you mentioned, Brian, it's seven games so far. It's going to be at least two games that Durant's out with his hamstring. Um, But, you know, I I don't think it's going to take long because you have pretty high IQ basketball players out there. You have veterans and you have guys who've who've done that style of defense. Um, Incidentally, James Harden is actually the one who's pretty good at it. I mean, the the Houston Rockets got to a point where they were pretty good at that switch-everything defense. So I I think that the longer they play together, the more they put that in there. Um, I think they'll be just good enough defensively. I think that's that's my that's my thought about the Nets is they don't have to be great defensively. They just have to be just good enough because their offense is so damn good that it might not matter. So a couple of days ago, the New Orleans Pelicans, who I'm going to check on their plan right now, but I'm going to check on uh, in a minute. The New Orleans Pelicans played a game where they shot 54% from the field. Okay, As a team. Uh, that was a game. Okay. As, as a team. That was a game that Zion went, uh, I can't remember if it was 15 of 16 or 14 of 15. I think it was 15 of 16, okay? They scored 130 points, and they lost by 
14, 13 or 14 to the Mavericks. And I, the Mavericks obviously have not had a good defense this year. And this is something that has been going on um, during this season. Teams that they, they're giving up 50 some percent shooting and they're winning. Mm-hmm. And so um, my friend, uh, Paul Hembo, crazy Hembo from, uh, from uh, the morning show, you know, get, get up, up, get up. If you, uh, if you ever watch that, um, I was communicating with him about it. And he looked at some numbers guys and I don't know if this is going to hold, by the way, the, um, the Pelicans are getting blown out by the, uh, by the Pistons right now. They're going to lose by double digits because they're giving up, even though they're shooting like 48% themselves, they're giving up 55% shooting. Woof. And my point is like, and this comes back to the nets. Do you in 2021, I mentioned this on the pod briefly in passing a couple of weeks ago. And you could, so you could tell if you're a regular listener, I've been thinking about this. Do you really have to play good defense in 2021 to win? Because here's the thing. So this is what Hembo looked up for me. So far this year, and granted, we are only, you know, rough, roughly a third of the way through. It may not hold. Losing teams in the, uh, in the NBA this year have an effective field goal percentage of over 50%, 51%. Actually, 50.5%. So that, you know, effective, that, that means, you know, including the three-pointers. And even overall, the losing teams are shooting 44%, which 44%, that used to, you know, that used to be a winning number. That's what the average of losing teams is scoring. It's the highest ever. And just to, just to go back and, you know, by comparison, um, uh, you know, back in like 2000, Five six when the NBA was sort of at its offensive, uh, you know, nadir or whatever. Losing teams' effective field goal percentage was like in the in the low forties. So you know, basically, if you had a game where you shot forty two percent, you were that's what that, that was like the, the dividing line that you lost. That's what you have to you'd want to hold your opponents like forty two forty three percent. That was pretty much the break even point. Uh, now you can give up fifty some percent shooting and still win games. And so my question is, do you have to be a good defensive team anymore? Can, you know, because Draymond Green doesn't toss around uh, compliments, right? That's not something that he's going to just do just to make nice. That's not who he is, yeah. right? So for him to say he thinks they're going to win the East, he's saying that being very fully aware of what their defensive challenges are. He's saying that because he's so blown away by how awesome their offense are. And like – I. I don't want to be a stick in the mud. I'm on the wrong side of 40, okay? <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. I, I'm going to be that guy anyway because that's just who I am. But I don't want to be the guy who's like, back in my day, you know, you had to get a stop to win a game. We won games 2 nothing. You know, we didn't, we, did, we, we couldn't make a shot, but we didn't like the other team make a shot. Um, and that's just not the way the league is being played this year. And here's something else he dug up. Um, just in the month of February, Okay, um, not this season. In the month of February, six different teams, and I don't even know if this includes this weekend because this was he sent this to me on Friday. Six different teams: the Rockets, Jazz, Pacers, Bulls, Grizzlies, and Mavericks have broken their franchise records for three pointers made. Wow! Six teams. It's the f- so he sent this to me Friday. So six teams in twelve days set franchise records in three-point shooting so ramona like is this just the nature of where we are and that it'll you know because we always know the playoffs are different and it will matter or does defense is this really transitioning away from a league where you have to get stops where it's just you're gonna outgun and you can you can win you know brian when you told me you wanted to talk about this today i i kind of my initial reaction to it was um, of course, defense still matters. Look at who won the championship last year, two teams who are pretty good defensively, um, right, who are in the finals, and the Lakers had a really good defense. And I think maybe in the regular season it doesn't matter as much, but I still think in the playoffs it will. But I decided to go check with some of my people, right? And you just text all your all your people who have good perspectives around the league. And I I really think this is situational. 
I don't know if this is I don't I don't know if this is going to be like this all year. I don't know if it's going to be like this you know even come playoff time. This everybody I hit today asking that that exact question had the same response which is this is a function of 2021 where teams do not get to practice very much. They rarely have shoot arounds. They rarely have any time to like make adjustments from game to game. Even when you're playing the same team twice, when you do the back-to-back scheduling, there's just not a lot of adjustments being made. And the teams that are playing fairly well defensively, I, I would I would guess the Jazz are probably near the top of that list. Those are those are yeah. teams that have played together for a while. The Lakers, you know, they have some new players, and 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 I don't think they've been as good defensively as they were last year. Sometimes it's a little bit game to game whether or not AD plays or um, some of their guys, but they're still they're still incorporating new guys. But I really think this is situational. I don't I don't think people have given up on the concept. I just think in a year when you don't have time to work on things, and 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 another thought somebody brought up, which I thought was interesting, is um, the lack of fans in a way, helps role players, right? Okay, because you're on, a, you're on the road, like you go to play a, a tough crowd, right? Where's, where, where do you think the toughest crowd in the, in the league is? Denver, maybe? Um, you know, with the, the, the crowd. There's a lot of places. There's a lot of tough different. places, right? Um, well, there's no crowds. And so when, you, when your role players are on the court, you know, wherever, they, wherever a tough ro- opposing crowd is, you don't have them, you don't have all that extra pressure, all that crowd noise, all that that gives the home court advantage. And so I think we're just seeing three or four things come together to create this situation. And it's colliding with this trend of shooting more threes and offense being, um, it being officiated differently, right? You get, it's just, you, you know, the, everything's called tighter. So I think it's it's situational to 2021 based on the very unique circumstances of pandemic NBA basketball. And also... And that's, a fair, yeah. that's a fair point. But, yeah. But we're going to play for the title in 2021. True. Yeah, theoretically Pretty we'll... Nick, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if that's the way it's going now, yeah. what's, what's to say that won't be the way it's going? I mean, I guess we'll maybe get fans in later, but... Yeah, maybe later. Maybe a little bit, right? Uh, but I do think over the course of a season when you're just going to have to play your way into into defensive schemes, right? You're going to have to learn on the court. I remember, you know, I was listening to De'Aaron Fox the other day. He was on Zach Lowe's podcast. And, he, you know, and the Kings went on their little their little run um, over the past, I don't know, I guess three, four weeks. He's, he he kind of traced it back to these two games that they had scheduled against the Grizzlies. And he said, you know, we actually got to practice because <laughs> the games against the Grizzlies got canceled. And they had two, you know, just uh, forfeit, not forfeit, postponements. Um, and they, instead of just being home, they, they had two practice days. And he goes, that was really a big deal for us because we got to work on our, we got to work on our, some, our defense and our schemes. And, uh, it, you know, every, everybody I talk to these days says, this is a much bigger thing of not being able to practice or make adjustments or install things um, at, like you normally would. And so maybe just over the course of the season, teams play their way into it. And, and B, I agree with everything Ramona just outlined. I, I think that so much of what we've seen is a function of the world that we're all living in. But I'm still on the good side of 40. <laughs> I'm, I'm 37 years yeah, old. Yeah, but, but you covered Tibbs for all those years. Exactly. I covered Tibbs for all those years. I grew up in Orlando mm-hmm. as a proud Shaq and Penny Magic fan. I saw the 90s Knicks. I saw uh, the Pacers and the Davis brothers. I got to be honest here. I watch these games right now, and it's just not that interesting when nobody's playing defense. Mm -hmm. This is like the Oprahfication of the NBA. (laughs) Yeah, but you're you're there watching Steph put up these numbers. You're saying that's not fun? Steph is fun, and thank God that I am covering the Warriors right now because Steph (laughs) makes the NBA so much more watchable. It is an awesome experience being in there with a hundred people at Chase Center and watching him race up and down the floor and knock shots from all, shots down from all over the place. It's awesome. I'm saying in general, I come home, I flip on the TV, watch whatever game's going on, and I'm sitting there going, "Are you kidding me?" Truly, it's like you get a basket, you get a basket, you get a basket. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's playing defense on the whole. And as somebody who grew up. Well, you, know, you sound like an era. old part here. Yeah, you kind of do. Yeah, yeah. And, and as somebody who grew up watching the games, I grew to love the NBA in those 90s years when every everything was a battle. And certainly the games evolved from, from that point. But my point is I watch these games and they have the intensity of an all-star game. 
and it is I'm really struggling night to night to to get into what I'm seeing because it just feels like and part of it is exactly what Ramona just said you've got uh, players not being able to practice you've got no fans in the stands and I think that helps with accountability and intensity mm-hmm. of guys wanting to give maximum effort but when you're watching this and there's just not that that real excitement about playing any defense whatsoever as a longtime fan of the league I'm watching this year's games. I'm going, oh, come on. I can see this in the All-Star game. I don't need to see this uh, on a a Tuesday in February. So I'm not really, like, looking for the state of the league. I'm more looking at, like, the state of, like, you know, how to evaluate these teams. Right. You know? I mean, like, I I understand what you're saying, and this is is absolutely a taste thing. There is – there's absolutely no doubt that the three-point shooting, the, the volume of three-point shooting, even though watching people make it and put up these numbers, I think is enjoyable. Um, like, I, I, I think it's fun that a game can go from 18 to 2. You know, a lead can go from 18 to 2 and that there's, all, there's, um, there's always, you know, you're always still in the game because of it. Um, but I certainly recognize that some people don't like that style and, Maybe the league has gotten too lopsided in that direction. I think Popovich first voiced that about two years ago. He said it's a little out of control. Um, and I get all that. But I'm more interested, like, in, you know, can a team do this? Can a, can a team be as bad as as uh, as some of these teams are on defense and, and win two or three or four rounds of the playoffs? Well, Brian, you know, uh, about seven years ago now? Is it, is it six years, maybe? Let's see all my math is. Um, there was a question, can a jump shooting team win a championship? I think, I think Charles asked that question, right? And it was a knock on the Warriors all the way through their dynasty. And yep. I think they yep. won three of them, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, now, they also had a hell of a defense, right? You know, that, the, the Warriors defense, I think, was vastly underrated, um, you know, at the time because we were all so focused on how good Steph and Clay were at shooting and then went top five yeah, defense year after year. Year after year. I think there was yeah. one year maybe they weren't. Um I feel like maybe the year they didn't win, that that was a tough year. But that was that was the year everybody was kinda over it. Right. Everybody was just sick of everything. Um but there was there was one year in there they weren't, but most of those years they had a great defense and, and you have to give a lot of credit to Draymond and to Clay for that, but but also schematically, you know, with, with Ron Adams and, and uh Jaron Collins running that defense and what they and what they do. But I, I just think like, yeah, you're right. Like we have had norms trans we've had those things that we used to think about basketball. A jump shooting team, that's not gonna translate to the playoffs. Not gonna make all those threes in the in the playoffs. Oh, you're you're relying on the fast break? Oh, it's a half court game in the playoffs. Well, that didn't hold up, <laughs> and it really didn't hold up with the Warriors. So I, I do think a team that doesn't play great defense can win, but I do think, but I, I'm not ready to say we are in an era of no defense now. I, I think it, I can't separate the situational stuff of this year. You know, another another scout I hit on this question, Brian had another had a different theory too, which is um, a lot of the bad teams this year they can score, they just don't play defense. So you're seeing a lot of these scores where, I mean, last year it was just the Wizards, right? We were always like, oh, God. So, so-and-so had a career high. Did they play the Wizards, right? I mean, that was like the, even if, okay. But uh, this year, I think there's a lot of bad teams who can all score. They just don't play defense. So there's, there's, you're sort of feasting on a bunch of, a bunch of very, very, you know, easy pickings here. And I absolutely think the answer to the question is no. I don't think a team can be so dynamic offensively yet that it can overcome a lack of playing defense at a high level. And Ramona, you brought this up with the postseason. If a team can go all the way through the postseason and and win this way, I, okay, I'll believe it when I see it, but... I've watched way too many playoff games through the years, and we all know that there's a different level that is hit during those games. And I, I think that level always makes the the best teams rise from the rest of the pack on the defensive end. But I, I'm just so intrigued because you mentioned Charles and something he said. Part of the reason I feel as strongly as I do about the product as a whole is because I was listening to Charles on Friday, 
and he was on with with my friends Waddle and Sylvie in Chicago on ESP 1000, and he's saying the basketball just isn't very good <laughs> right now. And and yeah. as always, he's honest, and I'm I'm sitting there going, yeah, like that's exactly the way I feel about the game. Watching the these offenses that are so uh, talented, but I feel like such a a focus of the game has been defense for so long and it's just gone missing and it's really changed the way I'm, I'm watching night to night. So there's this guy, uh, I don't know what his job is. Uh, maybe I'm a fool. I just follow him on Twitter. His name is Ed Kupfer and uh, at Ed Kupfer, he just puts out these high end uh, statistical analysis, analysis, whatever. Analyses. Yeah. You're talking about guys getting their, <laughs> getting their highs, getting their season okay. highs. Um, <laughs> So he has a chart that shows which teams gave up season highs to the other players by position. So this year, the Dallas Mavericks, who I just mentioned, gave up 140 the other night and um, won by 13. <laughs> the Dallas Mavericks <laughs> have given up one, seven different shooting guards have had their season high against the Dallas, against the Mavericks, five different small forwards, five different power forwards, and four different centers. Mm. So – Everybody's gotten has done really well. Yeah. Well, uh, but okay. So here's my point about this year: the Dallas Mavericks has been devastated by COVID. I mean, like that was one of the teams that I, I think you would say they they had a lot of guys out for an extended period of time, and even the ones who have come back have had long term long term issues, right? I mean, I was I was just reading Tim McMahon writing about Maxi Kleber and. You know, he still feels sluggish, right, out there after having COVID. I mean, I just – I don't think we can underestimate the effect of that on players right now, but also just on the league as a whole. I mean, it, it's it, – it, when you when you don't make adjustments, when you don't have practice, that's always like the, the fun part of playoff series is watching adjustments from game to game. And they're not always made at practice. Sometimes they're made in film sessions or whatever. But even film sessions now are different. Like, you, you know, with all the distancing and – it, you know, you got to stay in your room in the in the different in different areas of different of the country. You got, I mean, can't gather. You're saying makes sense, yeah. but you know, you, you also, if you're a good team, yep. you have to take some. You have to build some habits. By the way, um, your Orlando Magic, for oh, you, oh, oh, nine power forwards oh. have had season highs against the, <laughs> against the Magic, and eight small um, shooting uh, guards mm. have had season highs against the Magic, and Milwaukee. Oh. <laughs> eight point guards. This is like this would be like good for batters. Yeah. You know, yeah. Eight point guards <laughs> had their season high against Milwaukee this year. Um, it's crazy. You know which team has given up the fewest number of opposing teams players having um, their season highs. I mean, you you you'll, you'll make twelve guesses. And you I know we won't get it. Get it. I mean, I would have guessed the Jazz, right? Um, Oh, let's uh, think. I'll look at that in a second. Okay. Uh, the Jazz have only had, uh, let's see, four. Only about nine guys have done it against the Jazz in total. Okay. Okay. So you said you, because it's going to be a hard get, team to guess. Yeah. Let's 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 pick Ramona, somebody. Just think, I mean, this team's got a winning record and they've got a good record, but I, I, you won't get it. There's no way you'll get it. Uh, There's no way you'll get it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to say the Raptors. You're not. No, they're not even close. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to pick an unlikely thing. How about the How about the Celtics? What if I guess all 30 teams? I'm eventually uh, going to get it. The Celtics have the second. The Celtics have the second fewest. Okay, that's a good guess. Yeah, Friedel, do you even want to make? Are a, we East Coast, Eastern Conference, Conference or Western Conference? Western Conference. Oh, okay. Well, then it would have saved me two guesses. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 now I'm curious. Now you're just one out of 15 me. here. No, actually, two out of Phoenix, one out of 14. Suns. Really? Okay, I definitely would have got that. The <laughs> and this could be an, a little bit of an anomaly. Okay. Um, anyway, Ed also tells us that um, every single team is shooting over 33% for three-point range. Are you serious? Um, and that's <laughs> never happened this deep into a season. Before. Wow. Um, wow. And there's nine teams shooting over 38%. Mm. Well, you know what's interesting about this? The more you're saying, so this has evolved because the teams that have, you know, as a reaction to the to the Warriors, and if you want to go all the way back to the Heat and the Spurs and stuff during during their runs too. Um, but what happens is one team does it, has success, everybody copies that, and then there's got to be some new advantage that you have to exploit. So maybe maybe that's something different. Maybe that when everybody can do it, 
it's no longer as much of an advantage. That's true. It's uh, it's you're you're looking for the edge, right? Yep. So, um, yeah, but you know, just look. I know that there's just a lot of three point shooting happening, but the percentages are better than they've ever been. So, like you know, the math. I mean, those are. I just talked about how. Um, Every, even the losing teams are effective field goal percentage is over 50%. Mm -hmm. Well, every single team's shooting at least 33% on threes, which means it's like shooting 50%. No wonder they're all rising. The other thing that was, defense. Somebody, somebody out there, please. Well, the Jazz are playing play defense, defense, and they've won 17-18. But, um, Can't we get more than one team? Can we get like The Lakers sometimes do, teams? sometimes. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. So the other thing that's interesting from, the, yeah. from, the, from Brooklyn from last night, uh, Nick, is that after the game, and as far as I could tell, this was just sort of flippantly thrown in there because Harden... Had a he had 16 assists in that game. Only took 11 shots. Only went to the free throw line twice, which is not the guy yeah. who was he's been for the last seven eight years. Um, Kyrie just is like, yeah. Um, a couple of days ago, I just decided <laughs> I just went up to James and we decided he'd be the point guard. That was so great. That was which, I love. Like, that was one I'm of my favorite post game revelations in a while. <laughs> that was great. I'm not going to get on Steve Nash. Um, by the way, my favorite post game revelation of all time. Was when Le Nick was there for it. Was when Le in the playoff game where LeBron hit the oh, buzzer. I know beating, where you're going. The buzzer beating three pointer and I know where you're four. Going. It was two one in Chicago. The Bulls were about to go up three one, <laughs> and LeBron hits the game winner. <laughs> and after the game, it gets brought up that it, LeBron changed the play, and LeBron was like, "Yeah, that last play, I scratched it." Like he just just <laughs> took David Blatt. Totally. Just rolled him completely him under, under the, the bus. bus isn't even a good enough. You know. <laughs> that was a hip anyway, check. So, that was a hip check. Yeah, oh, my God. He threw him out the – I scratched him it. <laughs> I remember that. <sighs> He's like, that last play? And he yeah. even, like, paused for dramatic effect. <laughs> that last play? I scratched it. All right. So, well, let me uh, say this, though. Can, like, can, yeah. can we just take – like 30 seconds because we all spent so much time talking about James Harden when he was in Houston and wanting out of Houston and yada and he took a lot of criticism but I mean I, I watched that game last night Nick and I I knew James Harden was a great passer but there was like three or four passes in that game that were just beautiful right like these little slip passes these uh, man uh, yeah hell yeah you should be the point guard I mean I think we all knew he was going to do that anyway but the the way he's embraced it but also just he like he makes passing look fun and and exciting i mean there's there's not very much about james harden's game that i go you know like you, you he's not an electric dunker or athlete or anything, you know it's doesn't foul shooting isn't exactly exciting right but hell oh my god he's a great passer there, there was four of those in that last night's game that that made me want to see the replay and when you have these star teams, as we well know, having seen what's gone on, Ramoni mentioned mm -hmm. the Heat and the Warriors, when everybody knows their roles, yeah, when they feel comfortable in what they're supposed to be doing, that's when they can really hit their stride. So in that regard, mm -hmm. as funny as Kyrie's quote was, I think it was important because it was like, okay, James, you're setting up the offense, and Kevin, you're going to do your thing, uh, hitting shots from all over the place, and, and Kyrie can just float around and, and score 
when he feels necessary. But I think that part of knowing where everybody is supposed to be is crucial for any team that's trying to come together this quickly like this. Now, look, I know that they're different players, but this is essentially the way LeBron played in Cleveland. Yeah. That Kyrie wanted the hell away from. Now, yeah. look, that was years ago. Kyrie's making the best of his decision. It also equally reminds me of when, during their second year together, uh, Wade went to LeBron in Miami and was yeah. like, mm-hmm. and it wasn't about running the point in that case. It was more about being the lead dog. Wade was like, listen, you got to step forward. You know, you got to take this thing. And LeBron did and started winning MVPs again. Um, and uh, so in, on some level, it's mature. Uh, and the fact that Kyrie is doing it pretty quickly, I actually, I felt from day one, I remember watching Harden play his first games for the Nets. They played two games in Cleveland right out of the gate. And I couldn't believe how Harden came into that team like a lamb. And Kyrie had just come back from his his hiatus, whatever you want to call it, and he totally yielded to Kyrie. I think Harden has played this beautifully. He's let Kyrie come around to the way it needs to be. So I and like on one hand, I praise Kyrie for recognizing what is probably the best way for them to play. On the other hand, I question whether Kyrie, who changes his mind every 20 minutes or less, whether that's going to stick. Because this is the exact type of scenario, not wanting to be the second dog, and in this case, potentially the third dog, um, that drove him out of Cleveland. So um, I... I, I'm not taking. I, I think it's good. It's fine. I just wonder if it'll last. I don't know if it'll last. Well, it was important, Brian, that Kyrie was the one to tell us that they had had this conversation. I mean, it, it came from him. In other words, James didn't say that to him. Steve Nash didn't say that to him. Mike D'Antoni didn't say that to him. And he well, said they might it. have, but yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. okay. Well, in the retelling of it. <laughs> I actually do think it's important. It's like, look, this is a million years ago that I that I lived in this world. But do you remember when it was like a big deal when you changed your Facebook stat- relationship status, right? You know, you went from, you know, Ramona Shelburne is in a relationship. Like that was, ooh, right? Okay. And you can't put your in a relationship. Wait a minute. You've been with your husband for decades. I know. You didn't even ha- you have, was that pre-Facebook? I think it's pre, yeah, was yeah, we've, yeah, we're, we're pre-Facebook, but but I'm, I'm just saying I remember that was a big deal, right? Like y- yeah. to announce, you, no you kind of like yeah. you watch people's relationships; they would always develop over time. You, first, you'd start seeing them in pictures together, then they'd start tagging each other. Same thing on Instagram, right? But but Facebook was even more important because they had these actual statuses that said, you know in a relationship with, and then got engaged yeah, like to. In the, in the Facebook movie, yeah. that was one of the key things Huge. that he, uh, yeah. he put on there. You know, are you available? You know, basically <laughs> what the point was. I mean, Kyrie told us, he's, he's, I am the shooting guard. James is the point guard. <laughs> Kyrie made that announcement. That's a big deal. You can tell with Ramona, she's already thinking about how she's going to write this story. <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. <laughs> When's the last time we've had a up. Facebook relationship updates on the Hoop Collective, Brian? Right, well, right. I, well, I, I remember I'm, I'm, I'm remembering how pissed off my ex-girlfriend from college was. Yeah. We got into a fight and it went from in a relationship with to I just, I scratched it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, Did, and she was not and, happy And there's with an me. untangling too. You start untagging them, right? Yeah, yeah right. untagging uh, them from was, all your photos. Not a good moment yeah. in time. I always had, a, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something, this is completely off topic, but it's really funny. Um, so there was a, a girl I went to high school with and I remember I was checking up, you know, just a friend from high school. She was, she was married to somebody and then I didn't see anything on Facebook for a while and then I, I see all of a sudden she's married to another guy and i was like wait is that well i didn't get the part where you got unmarried and then you were in a relationship with <laughs> like it was like a divorce remarriage boom i didn't see anything in between and i was just very jarring for me there there's some there's some gaps yeah there. um <laughs> all right so you know by the way along those lines remember that all-star game in charlotte where um Kyrie and uh, Durant basically got engaged. Oh, yeah, that would have been that would have been Facebook official. Yeah, even though they got angry, saying <laughs> it, they would have got they would have been Facebook official. That week, <laughs> Draymond would have gotten really heated on that wall. <laughs> <laughs> You're right about that. Um, all right, so the Nets continue to be one of the most compelling stories in the league. We'll keep an eye on them. We'll see if they start defending. I'm um, starting to become a story. They lost their seventh out of 10 games today 
and fell to 500. A very disappointing loss for the Boston Celtics to the Washington Wizards today. Um, game wasn't even really that close. And they are really scuffling. Now, I have to point out that Marcus Smart's been out for a couple of weeks. He's pretty mm-hmm. much missed most of the 10-game stretch. He has a calf injury. Um, he's obviously a very important player to them. Um, Jason Tatum was out. Jalen Brown was out. Kemba has been coming back from um, the knee issue and has had just a couple of dreadful games. I think he's had two games where he went one for 12. Um, and another couple of games where it was almost as bad. Um, but the Celtics, you know, wasn't that long ago. They were first in the East. Yeah. And, you know, so today after the game, Kemba Walker, I don't know if he's calling out his teammates by saying this, but he's certainly making a statement when he said, we need to play harder. We're not playing hard. Um, and it, it's sort of a, a, a catch-all that you, you sometimes hear in the NBA, we got to play harder. Uh, sometimes it's something somebody says when they don't have schematic answers. But this is not something that a guy like, you know, Kemba's usually a pretty positive guy. And um, so 13 and 13. Um, Nick, uh, should how worried should we be about the Celtics? Very. And, and B, I, I can feel... Our boy Timmy Bontemps running around screaming at us going, I told you so. <laughs> I, I told you this team wasn't that good uh, because he's he's been he's trying to say the same message all along. But when you watch them, they just look disconnected. That defense uh, does not look the way that it, it's supposed to. And they don't have the feel of a team that was right on the cusp of, of getting to the finals last year. And, guys, when you – when you start hearing players and and be the point about Kemba's well taken, Kemba's not a guy who's rocking the boat. He gen, generally has a an optimistic outlook on what's going on. But when you start hearing, "Hey, we've got to play harder," I don't think there are too many bigger red flags for talented groups. When you start hearing that, there are usually a lot deeper issues behind the surface that will come out. And when you have a a team that thought it would be going to be really good and they're mediocre like this, when does it turn where they all start playing harder and things get a lot better? Because off the top of my head, I don't feel like you – you, you see that kind of example much in well, the league. Well, you know, you know when it turns is when Marcus Smart comes back because he plays hard every single second, right? I mean, that's well, that's true. That I mean, I think that's I think the cumulative effect of him being out this long is is starting to be felt. And plus, I got a stat for you, Brian. All right, Jason Tatum in the last four fir- first quarters has scored six points. <laughs> okay, six points in the first in the last four first quarters combined. Yeah. Okay, I mean, you got to get him some shots. You got to get your best player rolling. And I think this gets to the other issue with the Celtics, which is who is their best player? Okay, I mean, you know, I I was filling out my all-star ballot. I I really want to vote for Jalen Brown. Um, But I don't know, this latest swoon is making me rethink things, right? It's a tough call on the second guard there. Is it... Then Tatum, I was looking at him, but I I, I don't know if he, uh, the East front court is kind of tough for him to crack that starting lineup, right? But um, you know, I I don't I don't know who's their best player. What are their roles? Is Kemba their leader? Is he their best player? I, I, he only doesn't play back to back. I mean, it's, I, I, Tatum is yeah. Tatum is their most talented player. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Jalen is their best two way player, and he's had the best season so far. Marcus is their best defender. Mm-hmm. And Kemba is their, you know, he's like their spark plug. I mean, you know, I, I think you're making a good point. Uh, Tatum was awful today, three of fourteen, yep. only played twenty three minutes. You know, the thing that you look at them is you know, they lost Gordon Hayward, and they were already kind of a thin team. You know, you know, they kind of had six guys. Yeah, they lost Hayward, and they just didn't do anything really. They weren't effectively able to replace him. You know, they signed Jeff Teague, and Teague has been so Ooh. bad. Ooh. That he's not out of the rotation. Um, and they're now all of a sudden, like, they're like relying on Peyton Pritchard, who's had a really yeah. uh, late first round pick out of Oregon. He's had a really good start, you know, one of a, a nice, uh, he's had, you know, a handful of games where he's really made a difference for them. And then today they played their other first round pick, Aaron uh, Neesmith. He played 30 minutes today. So they're, they're, they're like relying on rookies 
Uh, I know uh, Neesmith hasn't played that much, but they're like leaning on rookies to try. I mean, by the way, they're not leaning on, on LaMelo Ball. They're leaning on, you know, guy was picked 26, I think, 26 or 27th, which is where Pritchard was taken. Like, they're just really thin. And, um, you know, they could have signed and traded Gordon Hayward to Indiana, but they, they just didn't like the package they were going to come back, uh, and they just couldn't agree to it. And I think a large part of it was they just didn't want Miles Turner, and they signed Tristan Thompson instead. Um, but the other thing is, like, this team, they don't do midseason trades almost ever. I think the last midseason trade they did was Isaiah Thomas when they traded for him. They made a couple of trades that day. But I want to say that was 2015, maybe, mm. 2014 or 15, I think it was 2015. They don't typically do in-season trades, but I'm going to say that they have a $28 million trade exception. Um, and they have their first-round pick which, uh, you know, you got to be careful trading this year's first-round pick because this is a good class. You want to protect it. But you have those two weapons at your disposal, and I, and I think the Celtics really have to examine uh, going out and getting some help. Um, I don't think it's got to be a star. They have front-end stars. They just don't have, you know, guys that can, that can help them. You know, guys that can defend, guys that can, you know, you know a Jay Crowder-type mm-hmm. player. Uh, they need that type of player. I know that they had some discussions with the uh, Pelicans for J.J. Redick. Uh, Redick wants to play in the Northeast. Uh, they had some discussions about it. Um, they could take J.J. into that trade exception, but I'm not sure he's exactly the type of player they need. I think they need um, you know, more versatile two-way players. But uh, um, specifically, I think they need another uh, forward. Um, to, I've got a name for you that I think yeah. would fit there. PJ Tucker. Oh, he'd be a good name. Yeah. He'd yeah. I, and I, and I, I think, I think he gets traded this year at some point. Um, you know, last year, the DL, he wants an extension and it's probably not going to be in Houston. Um, but uh, you know, boss, how many first round picks do they have available? So I, I think, I think that gets it done. Yeah, I mean, I, it's just really a matter of whether you give a first-round pick for renting PJ Tucker, right. uh, unless you yeah. want to rent him. But um, yeah, I, I think that that was that's the type of player that they need. I mean, PJ Tucker is kind of like a a bigger Marcus Smart. He's a couple yeah. inches taller, but yeah. they're very similar players. That's no, a good comparison. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but just thirteen and thirteen. That's just. Uh, that's not going to get done. They did have a nice win over Toronto uh, earlier this week, which kind of. Um, it was something that they needed to, to do to uplift. Um, but, uh, and they're, you know, they're hanging on to, they're hanging on to fifth place. It's not like they're sliding down the rankings. The East is a lot of parody in the East after the top. Well, four. I mean, you, you know, you brought up the Dwayne Wade and LeBron thing, right? You know, at one point D Wade just went, Hey, you got to take this over. Right. And I think to me, it's, it's, uh, it's always been there. You know, it's, it's Jason and Jalen are, they're two young stars. I don't know if we have to pick between them, but I, I know that your, your best player can't be, not getting enough shot attempts in early on. You got to get you got to get your best players going. And I think if you look at this recent swoon, um, you know I don't I don't know if it's health related with Jason or not, or if it's just they're not running enough plays for him. Maybe it's you know other Kemba's not getting with the ball or whatever it is. I don't know. I haven't watched it enough, but I know he has not gotten involved early. And when you don't get involved early, you know, and you're the best player on the team, you should be leading them every night. It's a problem. Yeah, I've sort of felt, you know, for two years mm-hmm. now, they're going to go as far as Jason Tatum yep. can take them. That's probably true. Having said that, I think Jalen Brown's been awesome. He's been one yeah. of the best players in the league this year. So, But it's not working right now. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. 
You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hit, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. All right, one thing I want to talk about before we go. Uh, the New York Knicks made a trade a week ago, uh, trading for Derrick Rose. Is this what you had Fredell uh, on the pod today? <laughs> um, <laughs> there it is. The Knicks um, have won uh, two in a row. They're five and five in their last ten. They have a favorable schedule coming up, and they're in seventh place in the Eastern Conference. And when they traded for Derrick Rose, Nick, I thought, I don't know. I mean, this the Knicks should be tanking this year. You know, they should be, you know, there's nobody in Madison Square Garden to boo Jim Dolan. There's all these, there's these players in the draft that can help them. Um, you know, they're, they're not going to be competitive in the East for the most part. But playing for Tibbs, Tibbs has got him scratching and crawling. And we now have... Two former Bulls and slash Timberwolves in Taj Gibson and Derrick yeah. Rose, and he's gotten them. You know, they trade for Derrick Rose, and I'm like, this isn't this going to take time away from Emmanuel quickly, who's one of the best stories in the league. Another guy, by the way, taken in the 20s, who's having an impact mm-hmm. this year. He's been the brightest spot on the Knicks this year, and I'm like, isn't he going to take minutes away from him? And you know, but they just they just can't help themselves, Tibbs. Tibbs wants to make the playoffs and they're obviously doing this. They, you know, I mean, there's no doubt that they did this for Tibbs. Um, and I will say it's only been three games, but quickly and Rose have been playing. Tibbs has been playing them together and they've played well together. And I don't know if, again, you know, I'm a little bit more clinical with this. I think the Knicks should, I think just in general that the lane for tanking a tanking team is wide open this year. There's nobody tanking. The two worst teams in the league have been Detroit and uh, and Minnesota, although Cleveland is fast heading towards the bottom. Um, or Detroit and Minnesota, and they, they, they didn't try to tank. They just were worse than they thought they would be. All these teams, you know, in past years, you've had five or six teams tanking. There's nobody tanking this year. The line is the, – the, the lane is wide open to tank to get in on some of these high draft picks, and the Knicks will not do it. Because Tom Thibodeau is Tom Thibodeau. (laughs) That's the answer. (laughs) I mean, there was no way that that guy, finally as coach of the New York Knicks, a team that he's always had a ton of respect for, and and he obviously worked for for years, there was no way in in New York City, given this chance, that Tom was going to tank. It just was not ever, ever going to happen. But but it it is night to night. The Bulls went through this. Garm Pax did. They traded Lou Aldang. It was like, all right, let's let's just tank (laughs) away this thing. And (laughs) Tom was like, that's not going to happen. Give me Nate Robinson. I'll get him. (laughs) (laughs) I took this team in the playoffs with Nate. Bleeping Robinson. I mean, look at the track record he has. This team is not going to tank. He will not ever let it happen. Like if you're the Knicks, you could say, look, we're going to trade Julius Randle. We're going to trade Alfred Payton. We're going we're gonna to force him to play R.J. Barrett and quickly and Obi Toppin. Um, and we're going to force him to play these guys. They could do that. And just say, Tom, mm-hmm. just do your best with this, and then by next year we'll have another high draft pick, and we're gonna then we'll go. But they're not. They're Leon Rose, the team president, is yielding to. They're they're giving in to, to tips because they got you know. Can I can I can I have a word for the defense? Okay. Let's go. <laughs> can I represent the defendant? <laughs> I like it. I don't like tanking. It's one of those things where if nobody is really out and out tanking yet, okay, and even teams that really should tank are not tanking, 
this is a great draft. This is one of the best drafts coming up, we, we think, okay? There's, there's five or maybe even eight guys that could vie for number one pick. I think there's probably really just five, but, but even of those five, those, those are five potential number one picks who all would have gone number one this year. They're all really good. Um, I've studied a little bit of the draft because I did a story Kevin on. Said that Lamelo is looking pretty damn. Yeah, Lamelo's looking really good. Yeah, they are. You know that Mike Schmitz guy, the Gavoni guy. They're pretty good, huh? They're, they're, they, were, they were saying that about Lamelo. Gavoni, Gavoni was beating that drum for a long time. I know. Time. All right, good. So no, but I, you know, look, the the, t- the two guys in the Ignite team are really good. Jonathan Kuminga and Jalen Green are really good. Yeah, you just wrote a piece on yeah, Jalen Green. On Jalen Green, and by the way, Jonathan Kuminga, like I'll probably write about him next because I think. He 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 he's got that Jalen Brown quality. He's a great two way player. I think he's he could somebody somebody could fall in love with him and take him at number one too. Um, and then there's the three college guys: um, Jalen Suggs, Kate Cunningham, and Evan Mobley. Right? Depends on. I had a guy who I respect compare Jalen Suggs to uh, Jason Kidd this week. Wow! 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 Okay. I mean, look, this is a great draft. There's five really good players there. If nobody's out and out tanking, and we have the different lottery rules now where it's, you know, it's not that much of an advantage to, to have the worst record in the league. I mean, you could, you could very easily go from the number five spot to the number one spot in the lottery these days, or much, much easier than before. I mean, uh, I think I, I don't mind this for New York at all. I think it's important to get players in there that your coaches had success with that teach the young guys how to play the right way. I mean, that was, if we're all going to, you know, get on Sam Hinkie for the way that he tore down the, the, Sixers to sort of build them back up and tank, but also kind of, you know, if you, I don't want to put this on Sam, but I, I think it ruined the careers of a few younger players who got drafted high when there's no good veterans around there and there, were, there wasn't veterans to, to, to coach those guys up and teach them the right way. I mean, that's a really important part of it. You have to have a good, you have to have good veterans that, that know how the coach likes to play, that know how to run the system, that teach you how to be professionals. Look, Taj Gibson's one of the best vets in the league. He'll he'll always have a job for as long as he wants to play. He's a great veteran presence in the clubhouse. I, you know, I, I I don't mind them getting Derrick Rose here if if they make the playoffs. Okay, it hurts them in this draft, but this is a pretty deep. If there's five players, there's the next three or four are pretty damn good too. So I, I don't I don't hate this for them. What former bull is he going to get next? <laughs> well, Yo- Noah's retired. <laughs> Who'd you say? Joe Keem's ears are burning. Yeah, yeah. Joe Keem and Lou All are sitting there going, "All right, you know." Yeah, Joe Keem and Lou All still still both getting paid, by the way. Yeah, look, look, hey, look, oh, yeah. look, they're oh, yeah. they're both rested. They've they've had a lot of rest. <laughs> <laughs> they're ready for ten or twelve yeah. minutes right off the bat. Yeah, I'm waiting but, for uh, Jimmy Butler. He to him to him to oh, call Miami. Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! Wow! I, I, <laughs> what a reunion that would be. But I, I think this is important while we're on this. And Ramona brought up having veterans, and and Taj is so well-respected. But, guys, who is one of the most beloved NBA players by other NBA players out there? To me, it's, it's Derrick Rose. Oh, he yeah. Is, Derrick, Derrick Rose is beloved in general. Derrick Rose is beloved by fans. Derrick Rose is beloved by fans, but he is beloved by NBA players because they see his story as a reality check for their own. Mm-hmm. And having talked to enough guys about Derek through the years, they love the fact that Derek has gone through what he's gone through and come out the other side. And I say that because not only do I think that Derek's transitioned well into this next phase of his career as the veteran guy uh, who can still play a little bit on a roster, I say that because the younger guys, so many younger guys you talk to say, you know, who did you look up to coming into the league? And so many guys say D. Rose. Because he was so awesome to watch when he was healthy, and he was playing at the level he was early in that Tibbs tenure. But wouldn't recruit Chicago. But, but he didn't want to recruit. <laughs> but I think I think his tone has changed a little bit over time. But I, I think it is crucial uh, in the discussion to acknowledge that not only is Derek beloved by fans still and players, that younger generation watched him play. And they are all, all excited about the opportunity to play with him now at their stage That's of true. their own careers. Here's the thing I'm going to say. Starting when Derek kind of reignited his career, which was in his last go around with the Knicks, 
Then he went to the calves. Then he went to the uh, wolves. Then he went to the pistons. Am I missing any stops there? Man, I, I forgot about a couple of those. <laughs> I was like, that's right. Even it was that Cleveland years. era. Yeah, okay. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that was, you know, there was a, it was about 15 minutes where the Cavs had um, LeBron, Rose, Wade, Love. Wow. Oh, my God. You remember all that? Yeah. <laughs> it didn't go well. Um, LeBron broke up with Derrick Rose twice. I mean, LeBron broke up with Dwayne Wade twice <laughs> in his career. Let's just let that be known. I think I think uh, Wade was happy to go back to Miami. It was the right thing to do, but it was it was like you know we're done here. Um, all of those stops, and a couple of them where he's you know that that night when he scored fifty for the Wolves was a yeah. very special night. But all those stops, and you know, I'm not talking about his numbers, and I'm not talking about his um, you know his just the way he's looked on the court. But he's been a losing player. You know, the reason he's been a journeyman is that his teams have not performed well with him on the court. Look at his plus minus. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's strange with him because you watch him play and he's exciting to watch play. You, um, you know, obviously he's a, he's a bit of a charismatic guy because of his game, not because of his personality at all. But he does have a way. Well, you're right. He does have a way of drawing people into him. But he's not been successful as a player, even with good numbers. And so... You know, I did talk to one scout who said this could be a genius move because getting Derek makes Tibbs happy, gives the appearance they're trying to win, but Derek's teams don't win. And <laughs> just seriously, go back and look at the teams. And I'm not saying yeah. it's all his fault. It's not his fault that the Pistons are not good. The Pistons roster is a train wreck. But um, just go back and look. Okay, and I'm going to give you a little why. tidbit. Only a little, little tidbit. Okay. I don't believe that Derrick Rose is a losing player. I know what you're saying. I think in the right role, in the right system. Like, yeah, he's on a winning right. team. I don't, he's not a losing player, but, but his teams don't perform well when he's on Okay. The Last year, before, um, you know, it, when he was with us, right, okay, before the helicopter crash, okay, that was one of the, that was the only time I have ever heard, and I'm sure it happened more than I ever heard about, but this was the only time I ever heard Kobe make a little suggestion to the Lakers brass. He love the idea of the Lakers trading for Derrick Rose or going to get him somehow, right? I mean, that was and, – and that's a, that was a team that was poised to win the championship and then did, okay? And, uh, look, you want to go back to MVP races and who has, you know, some hurt feelings over who might have won that when Rose won that year, okay? Uh, that, there was no personal feeling there at all. Kobe, when they when he weighed in on that one, he really thought he could be a great contributor and player on a winning team. Well, Palenka was trying to get him in L.A. from almost the time he yeah. got the job. Yeah. You know. Uh, and, like, look, had they been able to – I know that they tried to trade for him last year. Yeah. And Detroit just didn't want to trade him. Um, Palenka, Palenka tried. I know um, he did. I mean, I, and, I, and I, that, they talked about it a lot. I mean, that was a – so I, I, I think he hasn't been on good teams, but name me a, a really good team where he was put there and he made them lose, right? I'm just okay. saying, yeah. like, like, he's a journeyman at this point. Yeah. Okay. Fair, that's fair. You know, I mean, like, and I'm not saying that to insult him. And I want to be clear. I do not think he's a losing player because there are guys out there who I think are losing players who just do not contribute to winning. But the way Derek plays, just go look at his plus minus. It, it You know, and I know mm -hmm. that that's a circumstantial stat that depends on his all kinds of other factors, but his teams have not performed well with him on the court, which is one of the reasons why teams keep letting him go. Um, that said, he's been off to a really good start in New York, and there was obviously a lot of excitement there. Um, and by the way, I was zero percent surprised when the move happened. And I don't even care about the trade. Like you know, they had extra second round picks. You know, th they were about to send Dennis Smith to the G League. Um, you know, they gave up a set the Charlotte second round pick. The trade was totally fine. I just wonder if it kind of undercuts what this season's supposed to ultimately be about for the Knicks. And you have different players say different things about that because some people will tell you that winning games is what needs to happen more than getting you know a higher draft pick. I don't agree with that. But if anybody can find the magic though for Derek <laughs> at this stage of his career, it's Tom. Yeah. And Tom plays guys that he trusts, and Derek performs the best historically in his career when he's in a system that he trusts. So uh, all these years later. They keep finding each other at, at different paths <laughs> and moments in the road. And if there's a guy who can make it work for Derek now, it's Tom.
Well, I will say this. Uh, the garden would have been electric this oh. year um, oh. with, some of the, with some of the wins that the Knicks have had with how well quickly it's played. I know the, I know there's some fans. I know that I think the garden is going to let some people in here pretty soon. I don't know if it'll be the same, but um, uh, it, maybe I would feel differently if the people in the garden, but you know, I thought this was a free pass season for the Knicks. So, um, all right. Thank you, Ramona. Thank you, Mr. Nick Friedel. Thank you to Troy Farkas, who is producing this podcast. Happy Valentine's Day, one and all. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective. And we will talk to you later in the week. Oh, and real quick, um, we are going through a uh, change. There's a planned change in the short term. Podcast is for years now has been coming out on Mondays and Thursdays. Um, I believe starting next month, and I'll have more of an update for you, we're going to rotate it to coming out Tuesdays and Fridays. Just move each pod back one day. Brian, the truth is none of us know what day it is anymore anyway. Fair. (laughs) Fair All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a good week. We'll talk to you soon.